Flyers Daily with Jason Mertidis. Here we go, brand new Flyers Daily for the 8th of April, 2023. And then there were four. Four games remain on the schedule for the Flyers for the 2022-23 season. And an offseason of enormous consequence will get underway. The dawn of a new day. Will the interim tag be removed from Danny Briere? Who will be the president of hockey operations? I think we know based on yesterday's episode, when we had John Tortorella on, he will not be the president of hockey operations. If you missed Torch yesterday, go back and listen to him. He was fantastic. And, you know, 90% of the interview with Torts was conducted by Flyers fans. Submitted questions on Twitter for Torts. That's the way we went, and it was a great conversation. Everybody that sent their questions in, thank you. They were great. And for the people that got theirs on, fantastic job. I know Torts enjoyed it as well. So um, hopefully you enjoyed that. And if you, again, if you missed it, you can go back on yesterday's episode and check out that uh, interview with John Tortorella. Now, Flyers are back in action tonight. Final four games of the year. Here's the final week of the season for the Flyers. Coming up tonight, it's the New York Islanders on the road at UBS Arena at 7 p.m. Then tomorrow, a back-to-back as the top team in the NHL. Yeah, the Boston Bruins are coming to town with a north of an 800 winning percentage, a 61-12-5 record, 127 points, 121 plus 121 goal differential. They're 9-1 in their last 10, and they've won four straight. They just have never really hit a skid this year. Then the Flyers will have their last home game of the season coming up Tuesday when they take on the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have just 56 points on the year, 78 games. Only 24 regulation wins, 56 points. That'll be Tuesday. And then the Flyers will wrap up the season on Thursday in Chicago with another team through 78 games that has 56 points. So final four games are here of the season, but it is the Islanders tonight. Now, what's the deal with the Islanders? They're a team that's looking like they're headed to the postseason. If they can keep this together for the final you know, week of the season here, they're going to punch a ticket because right now they're sitting in that position. When you look at the Eastern Conference, they've got the New York Islanders at wild card number two. Now, they control their own destiny. They have played 79 games, so they only have three games left. They have 89 points. The Penguins have also played 79 games and have 88 points, so one point back. And the New York Islanders also have 40 regulation wins, and the Pens have 39. So if a tiebreaker is there, that could become a factor. And, uh, the, I mean, the Isles are a team last year. Miss the playoffs. They fire Barry Trotz, one of the best coaches in the last generation in the NHL. Great coach. They go with his assistant, Lane Lambert, and all of a sudden they could be back into the Stanley Cup playoffs. If they get in, if they're wild card number two, it's going to be really tough because you're going to draw the Boston Bruins. But if they can get to wild card number one, they're actually tied in points with the Florida Panthers, but the Panthers have one more regulation win. So that's the tiebreaker. Because if you get wild card number one, you can draw the Canes. Now, the Canes are no bargain, but they're not the Bruins. If you can draw the Canes, the Islanders can draw the Canes. Can they get through that in the first round? I think they can because of Ilya Sorokin. They'll have the better of the goaltending in that series. Florida, wow, what a game with against Ottawa on Thursday night. Unbelievable. And how about our old friend Alex Lyon? 5-0-0 in his last five starts. He made 56 saves on 58 shots to get Florida the win over Ottawa. 
And when, when Alex Lyon goes on a heater, he goes on a heater. Remember a couple years ago in the AHL playoffs, he had a 94-save game. So best to him as well. But Flyers tonight taking on the Isles. The Isles in their last five are 3-2. and two. They beat the New Jersey Devils 5-1 to one on the 27th of March. They beat the Caps 2-1 to one in the shootout. They beat Tampa 5-0, or lost to Tampa 5-0 down in Tampa. Then they lost 2-1 uh, on last Sunday against the Carolina Hurricanes. And on Thursday, they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 6-1. to So it's Flyers and Isles tonight. Game's at 7.30 tonight, not at 7, like I said a little bit ago. So the Flyers and Islanders tonight, we'll break that down tomorrow. Flyers right now struggling. They've lost five straight. Goes back to the Ottawa Senators game on the 30th of March. Lost 5-4 in overtime. Then they lost 6-3 against the Buffalo Sabres. Then it was 4-2 against the Pittsburgh Penguins, 4-2 against the St. Louis Blues, and 4-1 against the Dallas Stars. So Flyers riding a five-game skid right now. They'll look to try and end that tonight. Over the five games going 0-4-1, they've only scored 12 goals, given up 23, and that has been the story. Carter Hart was back. We'll see if he's back in net tonight or if he'll go against Boston Coming up on Sunday, Sam Harrison was sent back down a couple of days ago. Ronnie Adder also sent back down yesterday. Now, one of the things I wanted to get into in this episode, I got a couple of DMs, and you know, I was thinking about goaltending, talking about Sorokin just now, and looking at the Boston Bruins in the season that Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman, to some degree, is having as well. And I want, it reminded me of these two DMs I got, and I kind of want to couple them together and kind of separately. So the first one comes from Derek Georgopoulos, and he says, Hey, Jason, just doing some thinking about the Flyers' rebuild and wanted to hear your thoughts. He said, I may be crazy, but I really don't see the rebuild as being as long as people think. If we get an impact player from this draft, and maybe next, the roster will look pretty solid. With Coots, Hayes, TK, Cutter Gauthier, Scott Lawton, Brink, Forster, Cates, York, Sanheim, Zamula, Hart, and Arison. He said, maybe I'm just optimistic. So let's tackle this, some specifics on this one first, and then we're going to couple it with the second one. Um, yeah, they can get an impact player in this draft. You can get an impact player at seven. I always bring up Matthew Boldy, who was selected in, I think it's 2020, 12th overall. He's an impact player. David Posternak was not a top-of-the-draft guy. You can get impact players, especially in this draft, even if you're not drafting one, two, or three. Now, if you draft one, two, or three, it's Bedard, Fantilli, and then maybe Meechkoff or Carlson, depending on how you feel or teams feel about the availability of Meechkoff, when he's coming over, when he can come over, and some of those complications. But you're going to get, a, obviously, a really good player in the top three, and it's a little bit more of a crapshoot every pick you fall down. But they could get a, a top pick. But when you list that solid core of Couturier, Hayes, Konechny, Gauthier, Lawton, Brink, Forster, Cates, York, Sanheim, Zamula, Hart, and Erson, um, I got to pick that apart a little bit. Couturier? Hasn't played since December of 2021. So I can't rely on what he's going to be when he comes back. I hope he's the same exact Sean Couturier, back-to-back 76-point years, Selkie finalist and a Selkie winner. But I, I can't say with confidence that I know that that's going to be the case. I don't. Then you look at Kevin Hayes. I think there's a good chance Kevin Hayes has traded this summer. So he's not part of that. Travis Konechny? There's maybe a chance he could get traded. I don't think he does. And to me, he is a piece to build with, but far from a guarantee. Cutter Gauthier, nice uh, freshman year at uh, BC. We'll see how he continues to develop. He's going back for another year. Looks like a good prospect. Um, Scott Lawton, uh, a player that can always help. 
He's a, a Swiss Army knife. He's not going to be a guy that is going to, you know, put up a ton of points, but he's a character guy, and you do need those guys as well. Bobby Brink was injured most of this year, came back, got off to a decent start, then really kind of hit a wall, but he didn't have a training camp and is recovering from a surgery. So we'll see what Brink is next year. I think Brink starts next year with the Phantoms, and we'll see where it goes from there. Tyson Forster, we saw him, and in the seven games he played, six points, he looks very good. Yep. Again, I don't want to get carried away. He looks like a very good pl- player, a middle sixer, but and great shot, going to be a power play guy, but I'm not exactly sure what he's going to be at the NHL level. Noah Cates, in a perfect world on a good team, he's a third-line center. He's shutting down the opposition. He's chipping in some offense because he's you know, getting some good matchups with the other team's top lines of defense. So, yeah, I, I like Cates a lot. York, I think, has had a really good year. Understated, but really good. Sanheim has not. We'll have to see how he bounces back. Zamula came up in the beginning of the year, looked good for a small stretch, and then looked overwhelmed, went back down, came back, looked much calmer, still some more work to do there. He got hurt, but we'll see where it goes from there. And then Harton Erson. Now, this is the interesting one because you mentioned both of those goaltenders. And look, I think it's always hard in the NHL to have a goaltending tandem of two young goaltenders, young, youngish. You know, Hart's 24, he'll be 25 in August. Erson's a young goaltender. You know, eventually, Erson's going to want to get opportunity. And if Hart's the number one, Hart's going to carry 55, 57, 58 games a year. The backup goaltender eventually is going to go, like, get me out of here. I got I want to fight for a starter's crease. The reason why Sergei Bobrovsky got moved wasn't was, was basically because they signed Brizgalov, and he made it clear he wasn't going to extend here because they sent, they signed Ilya Brizgalov to that monster contract and were paying him a ton of money to obviously be the number one. And Bobrovsky said, I want to be a number one, so I have to go do it elsewhere. So that's why I always think a, a goalie tandem of a young guy, your goalie that is now, and a veteran that's been there, done that, can handle not playing a lot and still give you quality starts, whether it's one start a week, two starts a week, or one start every three weeks. And that's a very difficult skill set to kind of be able to handle. Look, a lot of goalies, they can't transition to that backup role. Steve Mason couldn't do it. You can stay around in the league a long time, make good money being a backup goaltender. That can do that. Not a lot of guys can. So, look, so let me get to the other DM, and we'll combine them here. Mike Evangelista tweeted, and he said, Hey, Jason, I figured I'd send this to you, but I, for one, am sick and tired of hearing, quote, Hart is not going to want to spend his prime years in a rebuild. Correct me if I'm wrong, but as of right now, I feel pretty good about this team in three years. Hart will be 27 then, and to me, he would be in his absolute prime at a time we would most want his prime. Thanks, Jay. Keep up the good work, brother. Um, thanks for the note, Mike. Um, yeah, you know, there is this notion out there. Well, why would he stay here and waste his prime on a rebuilding team? So to put the two tweets together from Derek and Mike, I am not capable. I am not Nostradamus. I cannot put a timeline on this rebuild. There are so many variables to a rebuild that make it very difficult to say that when Hart's 27 and they'll be ready to win and he'll be in his prime. It's very difficult. 
because you don't know what's going to happen if players that you're counting on, they stop developing, get hurt, get traded. And what you get in return is an unknown. So when you trade a player, an existing player, a known commodity in the NHL, and you trade them for a pick or a prospect, you're trading them for the unknown. Sometimes the unknown, it's a home run. Sometimes it's a total swing and a miss. So you don't know that part. We don't know that part yet. And we won't know that. That's going to all have to happen in real time. The other thing, what guys are going to make it to free agency when you do have money to spend in free agency? So can't put a timeline in that regard. And then the other thing is, you know, NHL draft lottery. What if on May 8th the Flyers get lucky and they land the number one overall pick and grab a guy like Connor Bedard or land number two and end up with Adam Fantilli, who just won the Hobie Baker for the Outstanding College Player of the Year? Those things can change. What if it's like Colorado in 2017 when at number four they picked Kale McCarr? And you pick the player that turns out to be Kale McCarr. It changes your timeline considerably. So I, I don't know what a realistic timeline is. I don't know how long it's going to take. I know it's not next year. Even if you get Connor Bedard, they're not going to be a Stanley Cup favorite with Connor Bedard next year. Just like the Edmonton Oilers weren't a Stanley Cup favorite when they won the lottery and drafted Connor McDavid. Or when the Penguins drafted Sidney Crosby, or the Washington Capitals drafted Alex Ovechkin. Crosby was drafted in what, 2004, 2003, around there? Penguins didn't win a cup. They went to the cup in 08, won it in 09. Then they had about nine or 10 years before the back-to-back cups. Ovechkin didn't win it, came into the league a year before Crosby, didn't win it until 2018. So... You know, just one of those players is no guarantee. Again, it's why I'm against tanking. But as far as the timeline goes, look, I'm optimistic, too, that they're on the right path because I think they have a lot of pieces. And it's not as bad as maybe Flyers Twitter has made it out to be, the doom and gloom. And there are pieces here. Tippett's a good piece. Frost looks like he's developing to a very good piece. I think York's a good piece. I think that... You know, there's other players on the way. Denoye, not a top sixer, but a good piece. And Forster, and you have others that are good players. And if Couturier and Atkinson come back, pending what they are, that helps determine where they're going as well and on what kind of timetable. And then when it comes to Hart slash Erson, if you really want to look at the teams that have had success in a rebuild, They've pretty much all had goaltending. Pretty much every single one of them. Maybe with the exception of the LA Kings. Because Quick just fell apart. But you look at teams like Ottawa, for example. Feels like they've been rebuilding for a really long time. They've got some good pieces. I think they're on their way. Norris is out. They do have Shabbat. They obviously have Brady Kachuk. Claude Giroux there now, still playing well. They have some good young players. But... They don't have goaltending. And that's been an issue. So that is the thing that's holding them back from taking that next step. Buffalo haven't made the playoffs since 2011. They haven't had goaltending. Now, they did have Linus Olmark, but he wasn't fully the Linus Olmark that we see now for the Boston Bruins. But, I mean, they're trotting out some old guys there. 
and not great goaltending. Look at the Edmonton Oilers. They're a team that, you know, since they've had Connor McDavid, Mike Smith, now they have Jack Campbell, who I'm not a big fan of, who's, you know, you got to have goaltending. That's the one thing that's different. And when you look around the NHL, I've always said this about football. If you don't have a franchise quarterback, you're looking for a franchise quarterback. If you have the franchise quarterback, you can go into a draft in an offseason with that box checked. It's a huge difference. And when you look around the NHL, who are the legitimate 32-team league right now? Franchise goaltenders. Legit guys. Not just good goaltenders. When you look at the league this year, Linus Olmark leads the NHL with a 937 save percentage. Is he a franchise goaltender? Certainly looks like it this year. He's playing on a great team. So that helps in that save percentage. 1.90 goals against average. All his stats are off the charts. Is he a franchise goaltender? I need to see more, and I need to see what he does in the playoffs. Philip Gustafson, number two in the league for Minnesota, in his third year in the league. Hasn't played a ton of games in the National Hockey League yet. Having a great year. 34, 20, and 9, 932 save percentage. Great numbers. The third ranked save percentage in the league. Now, this is a guy I do believe is a franchise goaltender, and that's Ilya Sorokin. Again, small sample size in the NHL, but he's not 22. He's 27. He's got a 924 this year. I think he is an excellent goaltender. I would consider him that next wave of franchise goaltenders. You know, Jeremy Swayman's in the top five, also plays for Boston. Got a 921. And then you look at Georgiev with Colorado, having a good year. 919, save percentage. Hellebuck, franchise goaltender. No doubt about it. In Winnipeg. Kevin Lankinen, eh, I'm not really buying that. Jake Ottinger in Dallas, 918 save percentage. I think he is great. (laughs) I really do. I think he's going to be fantastic for a long time. UC Soros with Nashville, he is one of the top goaltenders in the league. Obviously, Vasilevsky's up there. I think that when you look at guys like Mr. Sturkin's not having the same year he had last year, but he's a franchise goaltender. Absolutely is. Beyond that, is Tristan Jari a franchise goaltender? Is Darcy Kemper a franchise goaltender? Are Antti Ranta or Freddie Anderson at this point in their careers franchise goaltenders? I don't think so. Is David Riddich? No. Matt Murray? No. Spencer Knight? No. Is Sergei Bobrovsky even at this point? He's got a 901 this year. Alex Lyon has taken his job. So pending how you feel about Carter Hart, I mean, Hart's save percentage this year is 908. He's got a record of 52, or this year, all said and done uh, on the season. He has played in 53 games. He has started 52 games of the season for Carter Hart, and he is 21, 22, and 10 with a 908 save percentage and a 292 goals against average and two shutouts. But I think he is a guy. His numbers don't tell the whole story, but I think he is a guy that can be one of those franchise goaltenders. So when you only have eight, maybe 10 franchise goaltenders for a total of 32 teams in a league, Do you really want to trade one away if he got it and he's 24? That's just not my preference. Anyway, I digress. All right. Flyers, Islanders tonight. Maybe we see 
Hart versus Sorokin tonight. Ooh, that'd be interesting. That'd be some foreshadowing. But everybody, enjoy the game tonight. We'll break down Flyers Islanders tomorrow on a brand new episode of Flyers Daily. Hi.